Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Mets are amazing, 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 amazing. There's a fly ball hit out to left, waiting is Jones. The Mets are the world champions. Here's the one-two pitch. Check him out. Steve has 19 strikeouts. Swung on, hit on the ground towards first. Miller has the ball. Looks to McGraw. It's over. The New York Mets have won the tournament. The New York Mets have won the tournament. The ground ball quickly. Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run. Mike Piazza and the Mets lead three to two. To left field. Floyd. And after running rough shot over the National League, the Mets have a titleless show for it. 2006 National League East champions. Here's the payoff pitch from Familia to Fowler on the way. And it's in there. Strike three called. The Mets win the pennant. The New York Mets have won the National League pennant. Put it in the box. It's another edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Sunday, November the 4th, 2018. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at MetsMorizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at MikeSilvaMedia, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Hope everybody's had a great weekend. Uh, back, it seems like we just did our... Brody Van Wagenen, welcome to uh, the Mets show just a few days ago. Hope you enjoy that. New era in Mets baseball, and it kicks off. There's no break. There's no time to rest on any kind of laurels. Uh, quite simply, the GM uh, meetings is upon us. The winter meetings is a little over a month away, about a month away, actually. So the offseason's coming at us fast and furious, and you got to roll up your sleeves and get to work. There's really no off-season. It really is amazing. Uh, today, there won't be a guest. I'm going to take a podcast to kind of set up the off-season. And I did this last year, if you remember. Uh, I'm going to get into a couple of things. I, I want to get into winning the off-season versus building a team because I think that's become a big part of m- more the fans and the media. But sometimes I think teams get caught up in winning the off-season so they can get that 
back page headline and feel good going into spring training. It's almost like the offseason has become a game within a game. You know, transactions have become a game within a game. The second thing is JT Real Muto. I know there's a lot of talk about Real Muto and how he's the answer and he's the guy that the Mets have to go after and he's the crown jewel of the the catching market. And I think he's a great player and he's certainly uh, coming into his own. But I would just wanted to take a step back because I looked at his numbers been doing a little research. Yeah, we've seen him play in the NL East. Um, and uh, I think it's just an opportunity for us to, to slow down a little bit because going after Real Muto, uh, I think, comes with some consequences. And then to wrap up, basically talk about, you know, where do I see this team going? What kind of direction would I like to see them go? Uh, last year, I laid out a couple of players, like, and I was talking about rounding out the roster at that point. This is more than rounding out the roster right now. This team needs to really have a point of view and a specific direction, and there's a couple of different ways they can go, and, and I'll give you my take about where I'd like to see them go and then you know, really where I think they're going to go. But let's start out first by winning the offseason, and this year, winning the offseason is pretty simple. It's... Manny Machado or Bryce Harper. That's it. If you get one of those two guys, I don't care what team it is, if it's the Yankees, if it's the Phillies, if somehow the Braves get involved, the Red Sox. Yeah, you got Patrick Corbin and you got some nice and very interesting um, free uh, uh, bullpen arms out there. You've got Craig Kimbrell, I know, as a reliever. Uh, you know, maybe you talk about Dallas Keuchel or or something like that. But quite simply, winning the offseason is Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Now, Jill Sherman wrote a post, or a piece, I should say, talking about how maybe the Mets will get involved with the deep end of the free agency pool, which they haven't done in a long time. Now, yeah, they signed Cespedes, but they traded for Cespedes and they jumped in on him uh, maybe the second time with more competition, it seemed like. Well, the Nationals were lurking the first time, and I think one of the reasons why they didn't get Cespedes was a number of deferred money that they uh, put out there in the contract. But there's some talk about whether the Mets could get in on Manny Machado because Machado, and let's face it, has hurt his stock with some dirty play in the postseason, which if he's not out there to hurt anybody, I'm not exactly against dirty play. I like uh, grinder-type players. And then he made some comments and at times looked lackadaisical with his interest in the game. And when that's happening in the postseason, that's a huge red flag. I've had a red flag about Manny Machado simply because the guy had a major knee injury. And I always remember Jim Bowden on MLB Network Radio. And if you listen to this podcast since its inception in 2016, uh, you know I've I've said multiple times about him that Giving him a 10-year deal would be very risky to me. I think any player on a 10-year deal would be very risky because you just don't know how things are going to transpire. You don't know how markets are going to change. You don't know how health is going to change. 10 years is a long time. Think about your life 10 years ago and think about what's happened and how physically things have changed no matter what age you are. And that's what's going to happen to these guys if they're given these long-term deals, which I'm not quite sure teams are into. I think if there is a long-term deal, there'll be some kind of opt-out. And maybe even a player will want that opt-out because for them, especially if in their mid-20s to late-20s like these these guys are, these these two 
both are about 25 years old, I believe, Harper and Machado. I mean, they, they, they might have more earning power in four years to get more out of uh, the back end of their contract if they continue to improve uh, because they've had some big years, but there's definitely both of them have some question marks. For me, the only way it makes sense for the Mets to get in on either one, I don't think Harper makes any sense because he doesn't play center field. I know he did at one point, but Bryce Harper right now is 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 not a center fielder on a day-in and day-out basis. I don't think so. I mean, that 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 would be something that uh, I'd have to see, I have to hear, hear a little bit more about. I don't even think, think Scott Boris wants his client with that wear and tear in center field. The only way the Mets, I think, get in on this is if they are ready to significantly go up on the payroll. And let's face it, the Forget the fact that you're skeptical about the Mets going into that sphere, whether you think Brody Van Wagenen can convince ownership or not. Uh, there's a couple of things you have to remember. Number one, there's obviously payroll and whether they could go and play in that that sphere. Then number two, there's also the luxury tax, which is $206 million. And a couple of things about the Mets is, um, number one, they already have about $144 million when you can, when you have all your arbitration-eligible players. There's about eight of them who are due for some significant raises, especially the pitchers like DeGrom and Syndergaard as well as a uh, arbitration-eligible uh, player. Yes, he's arbitration-eligible. So you have $144 million tied up. When you look at average annual value, which is how they calculate the competitive balance tax, and, and the competitive ba- you hit the tax threshold at $206 million. The Mets are at 154, a little over 154 million, and the threshold is 206. So you're looking at, uh, you know, about 52 million dollars to go uh, for them to hit it. Now, you know, no big deal. But remember something, and I don't think insurance comes off. If the Mets go out and sign somebody at a 30 million dollar clip, that brings them up to about 184 million. Uh, you know, depending on how they figure out the average annual value, that's how they figure out the tax. Mets are starting to hug that competitive balance tax, and they're about twenty million or so away from it. I I just don't see how uh, they're going to play in that without reducing significant payroll. And to be honest, the only significant payroll you can shed here, there'd be two, three salaries you could shed. That would be Bruce. That would be Frazier. And that would be Lagaris, and maybe you could even put in, uh, okay, maybe uh, Vargas too. About $30 million, you could try to trade those guys off. But I doubt you can trade those guys and be able to offset, I mean, not have any money come back offsetting it. I don't think you're going to be able to give those guys away without taking money back. So I don't think it's going to happen. Now, if you want to play in a bit of a fantasy world, okay, if you do go that route, you would have to build a team around a lot of defense and bullpen. You'd have to find good values in bullpen signings. You'd have to come back with Lagaris in center field, Frazier at third, you have McNeil at second. You you would have to definitely go with Peter Alonso, low-cost first baseman. And I'm not sure you'd be able to afford in that position to bring back even a Wilmer Flores, who I think is your veteran hedge at first base. For Alonzo, because you know he's due to make some money in arbitration. So uh, let's play in that fantasy world. The Mets can do that. That to me, and this is where it starts off, and that's what the media is going to harp on all offseason whether the Mets could go and play in that 
sphere. That to me is is building a team to win the offseason. That's what they're it's it's all about. That team would be with Manny Machado making thirty million a year. And it's probably going to take that much. I mean, the average annual value is not going to be less than that if Cespedes is up there in the high 20s. It's just not. It's going to be 30 and north. That, to me, is getting a back page of the newspaper. That, to me, is placating talk radio. That, to me, is the Wilpons showing the world that they can spend uh, uh, with big free agents. That, to me, doesn't allow you enough budget to build a team around it. I think you go into the season with a very flawed team, with a number of question marks, and I'm not quite sure that's the way that you want to go. So to me, uh, Manny Machado, not going to happen, not because, I, I look, I think the Mets and Brody, with Brody Van Wagen and an agent, I think they need to show that they can at least play with these bigger free agents, not pretend to go after them. I just don't know if right now this year with these two particular free agents is the time. I've never been a Bryce Harper fan. I've always felt he's overrated. He had a huge 2015 where uh, he was Barry Bonds-esque that year. Uh, He hasn't been as good since. I always go back to guys that you can get out in big spots, and I would never, ever allow a righty up there in a big spot against Harper. I'd always bring in my lefty to face Harper in a big spot. If you feel you could get those guys out in a big spot, um, those guys, to me, are are always lacking when it comes to being that that big player. Machado, some real uh, unique... Uh, things he said this po- past uh, postseason, issues with hustle. And remember, knee injury, knee injury, knee injury, significant knee injury. And I know he's 25 and he feels good now. How is he going to feel in three years, four years, five years? Remember Carlos Beltran. He had some knee problems pretty much early on in his Mets career. And he was able to hold up. But four years into his contract, his knee started to break down. Mets were fortunate he was able to rehab after a significant surgery, get himself back where they could have got some value for him in a trade, and he was almost pretty much a, a pretty close version to what he was before. So not about winning the offseason. Let other teams win the offseason. Let the media gush over those teams. I don't see Manny Machado as an option. Let's take a quick break. When I return, I'll get into JT Real Muto and why maybe it's not quite what you think, and maybe there's a different direction the Mets could go when it comes to catching. An interesting, much more cost-effective direction, but one that could have as much, if not more, impact in the area of the game that I have value in. You're listening to the Talking Mets Podcast. We'll be back with more right after this. Mankowski lays it down. Real Muto's throw is in time at first base. Boy, oh boy, nice play by Real Muto to get the second out. My goodness gracious, are you kidding me? And now Real Muto out to deep center field. Jones is back, and that one is gone. It's a home run for JT Real Muto. All right, we're back. Talking Mets podcast. I uh, hope everyone's having a great weekend. Hope you're enjoying this uh, whenever you're listening to it. One other thing on Machado before I get to my Real Muto point. Uh, his offense that he showed in uh, Baltimore this year was above and beyond anything. Now, he's a good offensive player, don't get me wrong. And his home splits have always been better. Remember, he played all these games in Baltimore, which is a band box. His home splits have always been better than his road. And, uh, you know, he came to L.A., he did a solid job, but... 
and, he, and he's a power hitter, and he's a guy who's going to hit 30 home runs. His defensive metrics, even though I know he won a gold glove earlier in his career, now that was at third base, check out pretty well. Look, if you want to bring him in, put him at third base, keep Rosario, keep uh, McNeil. I have no problem. You have to trade Frazier at that point. No big deal. That's not the end of the world. Um, I just don't see how what he gives you, as good as he can be, this is not Alex Rodriguez. See, I think that's some of the misperception here. This isn't A-Rod you're getting. So uh, I just don't think this would be going after him would be a winning the offseason move, uh, move. Now, Real Muto. Granted, guy's a good player. We've seen him in the NL East, good player, playing in uh, Miami, going nowhere, 27 years old, right in the prime as a catcher. Could even play a little first base. They throw him and spot him at first base. Had his best offensive season of his career, 21 homers, 74 RBIs. 277 batting average. A couple of things. Really dropped off in the second half. Not all that surprising when you talk about catchers, the wear and tear, the position naturally is going to uh, create that. No more amphetamines, guys. Um, Here's where I worry about going after a name that's popular, that's going to cost prospects that I think the Mets have the pro. I don't care what Bill Madden and all these guys in the media say, the Mets farm system. I think the Mets farm system has some interesting players. And even Keith Law, who works for ESPN, has been on this program, not exactly Mr. Met here, uh, has said the Mets very well may have a top 10 farm system. I think you're just going to have to wait and see as some of these names that are at the lower levels start to get up to the higher levels, they'll get more respect with the national media. You're going to have to give up significant pieces to get a controllable player like Real Muto. Now, Real Muto... Uh, coming into this year, uh, is making about $3 million bucks. He's arbitration eligible in 2019, so he's going to arbitration. That's going to go up significantly uh, from where he's at now, and he's not a free agent until 2021, so you have him controlled uh, through the arbitration process. He's going to get a big raise, so he ain't, he ain't going to be a cost-value uh, player uh, any longer. He's, he's going to make some dough. I look at, and I know you have Grandel, who would require a long-term contract, and you have Wilson Ramos, who is more of an offensive catcher, has played in the National League East, played with winning teams in Washington, uh, has made himself into a much better hitter as time went on. I really think the, the value of a catcher behind the plate is catch and throw. And that's why if I were the Mets, and you guys are going to think I'm crazy here, but I'm going to say this. I'd go out and sign Martin Maldonado to be my catcher. So on Houston, you go to MLB trade rumors and you look at their uh, top 50 uh, free agent uh, uh, predictions and destinations. They have Maldonado. Where do they have him going? I just had him up over here. Uh, they have him going to the Rockies for two years at $8 million. Uh, $4 million a year for a guy who's gold glove, um, you know, checks out with all the advanced metrics for the catcher, whether it be pop time on throws. I mean, he's thrown out between 45 and 60% of runners, basically brings the running game to a scratching halt. I know steals are not as big part of the game, but they're still there. And you saw with some of the Mets pitchers, it's hard for them to keep runners held on. That's probably part of why people steal on them, but Maldonado probably would eliminate that. You can't have doubles every time someone gets on base. It changes the whole pitch sequence. It's great at framing. Um, you know, that's the kind of catcher that you need. Yes, 
He can hit. Yes, he has some pop. He could pop, but this is a bad hitter. This is a significantly below league average hitter. I would not non-tender Travis Darno just yet. Travis Darno could be put on the 60-day disabled list, and we'll get, as we round out the show, we'll get into the Mets 40-man because that is always plays into free agency and things like that. Um, I would keep Darno. You have Ploiecki. You have Thomas Nitto in the minors. Uh, you know, maybe you get some kind of veteran, uh, you know, who knows where, where you, you know, Lobotone type, just as emergency. Lobotone was so bad, though. Somebody who could come up and actually hit a little bit. Uh, get them to play, uh, you can't say down in the minors anyway. I have to say up, up at Syracuse, not down. Even though it's down in the minors, it's really up at Syracuse now. Uh, play at Syracuse next year. It's nice, it's nice by the way, to, to, to say that the Mets are actually on the East Coast now in a normal time zone with their minor league team. Uh, so I would go with Martin Maldonado. I really would. I know you guys are going to say, what are you, crazy? The guy is a 200 hitter. Maybe he'll pop you 8 to 10 home runs. This is a guy that won a gold glove playing full-time for Anaheim uh, You know, just uh, you know, just a year ago. And I think that's the guy you should go for. And, he, you know, he had 230 in Houston with four home runs. He, he's, a, he's a guy that's, again, you're getting him straight. He's a catch-and-throw guy. And you know, maybe you have you know two outs at the bottom of the order, but that's where you beef up the offense in other areas. And to me, defense is 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 something that is overlooked. You don't have to give up prospects. It's not going to cost you a ton. I think both Ramos, Wilson Ramos, and Grandel are going to cost you. Now Grandel checks out pretty well defensively. By the way, Riamalto checks out pretty good defensively in pop time. He does not check out great. I mean, he's in the top 10 in framing, so that's good. I think he dropped a little bit last year. Um, I just think Maldonado's a better catcher. And I just can't see because I'm not yet sold that Real Muto is the offensive player you saw last year. He's certainly anywhere version you get of Real Muto is going to be way better than Maldonado. I would go with the elite receiver behind the plate. This guy's in his early 30s, so you're not getting Yadier Molina early in his career where there's going to be a lot of change and and maybe you could work a little with him on his offense. But you sign this player because you sign him to play to the strength of the team. And that's pitching. And game calling, framing, throwing, those are the things you value as a, as a catcher. So to me, Real Muto, a little bit overrated. Not exactly how I would go uh, in terms of giving up prospects. I'm not saying that he's a bad player. I'm not saying I wouldn't welcome the Mets going after him. I just don't see if you have to package a Rosario or, you know, some of the young pitchers like a Peterson or a Dunn. You need some of that pitching depth. Again, when you make moves, you can't just make moves to fill a position and get a headline. Because, again, Real Muto would get you a headline. Not exactly a winning the offseason headline, but let me tell you something. The media would feel a lot better about the Mets if they got Real Muto in the vacuum, in the time, you know, right then and there. But if it had to be at the expense of depth, that right now that farm system is improving and it's starting to trend upward, you start pulling away in a significant way from it, you may have some problems, and then you're not going to be able to address other areas. So to me, Martin Maldonado, not a sexy name, not a name that you know you definitely put at the top of your uh, free agent uh, holiday list. He's the guy I'd go out for good value, and he brings exactly what I like behind the plate, defense, game-calling, Throwing runners out. Look at the numbers, guys. He's a he's a stud defensively. Let's take a quick break. Final segment. Let's go through the 40-man roster, the bullpen, 
and maybe some of the other areas I'd like to see the Mets address this offseason, the names that I'm looking for as Brody Van Wagenen heads into the GM meetings and we begin the process of rebuilding the Mets and looking towards 2019 and the 2019 roster. We'll be back with more Talking Mets podcast right after this. Deep drive, right center field. Does it have enough to clear the wall? It does. It's gone. That's really impressive, too, into right center. Peter Alonzo muscles up for a solo home run and puts the East Division on the board first. It's one to nothing. But Peter likes to perform in big moments, doesn't he? He does. Not only did he hit the, we'll probably show footage of it later, a unique home run at the Futures game where it seemed like it was a pop-up that went about 400-something feet. You mentioned leading the minors in home runs. He homered in his last at-bat walk-off, last at-bat at Cashman Field in Las Vegas. All right, we're back. Talking Mets podcast and uh, 40-man roster. So where do the Mets stand? It's all fun and games, and it's great to speculate about them signing a bunch of different players. But to me, you have to look at the reality of the situation. There's a thing called the 40-man roster. Now, the guys who are on the 60-man roster, uh, 60-man, 60-man, 60-day disabled list. Jeez, tongue-tied there. That can't be on that DL until spring training until the season comes, well, it's, it's all it matters, are David Wright and Uanus Cespedes. And David Wright's going to be on this 40-man roster for a couple of years. He's you know he's not going to retire unless there's some kind of buyout they're going to negotiate. I don't know. I don't know exactly what they're looking to do, and maybe they can do that and, and all this other stuff. Put that in the parking lot for now because David Wright's got to be on that 40-man roster until spring training, and, and then they got to put him on the 60-day disabled list, and he'll be there the entire year. So even though Dave Wright's gone and we've said goodbye and we've had a show and all that stuff, he's still part of the equation in terms of the Mets making decisions. The same thing with uh, Cespedes. And to a certain degree, if he's around, Travis Darno and TJ Rivera, who had Tommy John surgery, maybe those are guys that start the season on the 60-day disabled list. More likely Darno because he's probably not going to be ready. And, and there could be some some others, as uh, you know, depending on injuries and, and whatnot. Right now, the Mets have room for two free agents. And before you panic, let's remember that you you have certain guys here that are probably at risk. Uh, I would think that Drew Gagnon is out. Is that Gagnon? Agnon? I don't know how to say his name. Does it matter? Is he, like, the old, like the old office space, is he even going to be here anymore? So I think he'd be at uh, at risk. Maybe Tim Peterson be at risk. Who knows the Jacob Rame, uh, Rom, and Seawald, and you know some of those guys uh, could be at risk. I'm not quite sure, uh, you know how that works out. Um, I'm looking up and down. Maybe T.J. Rivera is at risk. It's always possible that T.J. Rivera is at risk, and so on. There's also, of course, situations where maybe the Mets make a trade to clear out some room on the roster. So right now, the Mets have only a couple of spots. 38 of the 40 are are already taken for them to sign free agents. And we just already talked about Martin Maldonado as a catcher. Now where would you go with the rest of the roster? So here's the first thing. I'm assuming you have to trade Lagares before you go out and get another center fielder. And the only center fielder that's out there is A.J. Pollock, who certainly would be an offensive upgrade, but comes with an injury risk. And I don't think it's completely crazy if you put the money you have that you have to invest in pitching and bullpen 
that you come back with defense up the middle. See, I value the defense up the middle. And I know Lagares has a very bad injury history. But his injuries are so freakish. Guys like that tend to get injured. So it's always a possibility that you say, well, this will be the year where he won't run into the wall and break his toe or dive for a ball and tear ligaments in his thumb. That's the kind of player he is. So guys like that who tend to get to balls that others don't run the risk of getting hurt because of the way they play the outfield. Adam Fisher even talked about this, the you know former member of the Mets front office. He's on SNY now. Uh, you know, maybe giving Lagaris that look in center is is not a bad idea, and I'll tell you why. Because right now, I think you got Peter Alonso who hit another monster home run, and you you heard that um, uh, that little montage earlier in the program. Uh, so you know, Peter Alonso uh, looks like he's the real deal. He looks like he can give you the right-handed power that you're losing with Cespedes being out most of, if not all, of 2019. So you have that. I also would seriously consider, you know, MLB Trade Rumors has Murphy going to the American League on a two-year deal for $20 million, $10 million a year. I would seriously consider bringing back Daniel Murphy. Total me culpa. Uh, I wanted, after the World Series, and I know Murphy carried the Mets there and that era he made in that, and I'm not even going to get into that game four with Collins because every time I bring it up, I get angry. Uh, I was more about let's move away, go more defense up the middle. Mets were focused on Zobris. They didn't get Zobris. And then in the midst of all that, they um, you know, they went the Neil Walker route, who wasn't bad at all, Neil Walker. I don't think at that time they were able to afford both Cespedes and Murphy. And at the time, and I'll stick to it, no you know, hindsight here, Cespedes was, uh, to me, the better offensive option. He was an impact player. Murphy was very good. And I know Kevin Long at the time said that he was emerging, and he certainly showed that in Washington. Um, but he has a knee injury, and, and that's what concerns me a little bit. But to me, if Murphy can check out with that knee that he had the microfracture surgery, and now it'll be more than a year past that surgery. He's already played. Here's a guy that I think at this time in his career, yeah, he probably should look for an American League club where he can de-age. And I know that many feel he's a fit for the Yankees at first base because you got Luke Voigt and Greg Bird, both who are no sure things. And I, I would support that if I were, uh, if I saw that. If I were the Yankees, that might be a guy with a short porch in right field. Murphy could play first. I thought he did a decent enough job uh, when he when he was there a few times with the Mets. I don't think he's a bad third baseman either. Second base with the range and turning the double play, that's an issue. But if you could bring Murphy, you could slide him in with that $10 million, let's say, on a short-term deal. And again, I'm using a lot of the $33 million that's available from the right Cespedes insurance money, assuming the Mets reinvest that, and they don't go all out for winning the offseason with Manny Machado. You know, you get about $4 million from Maldonado. You get ten million with uh, Murphy. Murphy could play you some third. He's a hedge for Alonzo. If Alonzo needs more seasoning at first, he's a hedge at second base. If McNeil all of a sudden falls off a cliff, maybe Frazier gets hurt. There's a lot of things that happen. He can be your guy that could play multiple positions and almost like the Mark DeRosa type and um, and and be valuable and hit no matter where he is. And he's he's played here. He's won here. He's got a certain amount of grit. Um, I was wrong. I miss Murphy. I'd like to see them bring him back. I don't know what the front office and what ownership thinks of him. I don't know if... You know, all those things about being a net negative that Gary Cohen had said and maybe some of the negativity that 
surrounded him. I mean, this is a guy that at one point I was told when he was going through his development after he had hurt his knee a few years back, um, the Mets were upset with him when Alderson was early in his uh, GM tenure because he wasn't hitting for power and threatened to send him to the minors. Here's a guy that, uh, I think it was 2011, was hitting like 320. I mean, he always hit, and the power average didn't really come together until he went to Washington, which... Shame for the Mets, but they benefited from him in the 2015 postseason. So that would be a guy that would improve the offense, allow you a hedge. I think he's a better veteran complement to Alonzo at first than than uh, Wilmer Flores would be. And I don't think he'd be any worse defensively. So that's the direction I would go. Go and try to see if, if Murphy's going to be a two-year, $20 million deal like MLB Trade Rumors is predicting tonight. That, i got to sign up for that. If he still wants to play in the National League, if he wants to come back to New York, if he feels the DH is of him. If I'm Murphy and the Yankees come, forget about money and they have the DH, which I know that that's Giancarlo Stanton, and first base, short porch, geez, then that's a different story. Maybe I go across town to the Bronx, but it remains to be seen whether the Yankees are interested in playing in, in with Murphy and, and, and what they feel about Murphy. Although he fits in this high strikeout era, contact, McNeil contact, Murphy contact. Uh, Nimmo's a, a guy that strikes out a lot. Conforto strikes out a lot. You need more contact. You need more guys making contact. You need more baseball players, hitters, not just power guys, hitters. Hopefully Conforto could back off and Nimmo could back off on some of the strikeouts and learn a little bit from those kind of guys. So that's where you go. Now, you're going to say, Mike, the bullpen, the bullpen, the bullpen, the bullpen. The bullpen's atrocious. Yes. And look, signing more free agents now. You're up to about a 40-man roster now with Maldonado and uh, and Murphy. You're going to have to non-tender a couple of uh, players. We talked about some of those names earlier. I'm going to say that the direction the Mets go. Now, MLB Trade Rumors has a prediction that Joachim Soria and David Robertson, two righty relievers, both who would be very good additions to the bullpen, would be signing. You know, a three-year, $33 million deal for... Robertson and uh, what do they got? They got for uh, Soria and they give me a minute here because I'm trying to find him. Uh, oh, geez, guys, I just had Soria up here. Not good podcasting radio uh, form. So Robertson, three years, thirty-three million, and I just had yeah, Soria, two years, eighteen million, nine million a year. Look, if players are going to cost, if relievers are going to cost you nine to a million, eleven million dollars a year. The two guys I would go to who have a Mickey Callaway connection are Andrew Miller and Cody Allen. Cody Allen had a, a down year out of the Indians' bullpen. Walk rate was high. Um, you know, it seems like a bit of an outlier. Righty power guy, Cody Allen. I think that's the guy that I would go after. They have him going to. And they, you know, the amazing part about MLB trade rumors is they have all these guys going to Washington. And I, I always say, you know, these guys are backloading contracts, deferring money. At some point, <laughs> the chickens got to come home to roost on roost on that, right? Um, you know, to me, that that that's just something, just a little, a little outlier on that. But uh, I'm trying to find Cody Allen here. I think this is one of the guys. It's always like when I look for these guys, yeah, Cody Allen. They have actually going to the Braves, two years, sixteen million. I mean, Cody Allen's a guy that you might even be able to get on a one-year deal. And, I mean, as far as Andrew Miller, I mean, he wasn't great. He had shoulder issues, knee issues, hamstring issues. You'd have to get him medically checked out. But to me, Andrew Miller, uh, lefty. Mets only have a couple of lefties on the roster right now. Right now they have Daniel Zamora 
and Jason Vargas on the roster. They have a whole righties. That's a problem. So Miller would be that lefty. He's a guy that can get lefties and righties out. And I don't know if he's a guy that you could go multiple innings anymore as he gets into his mid-30s, but he get lefties and he get anybody out at a high rate. So that solves your problem. Maybe Zamora then can vie for the second lefty spot. Or you can maybe get a cheap veteran like a Blevins on a, you know, come back on a deal. Don't be surprised guys like Blevins, as, uh, especially because they're in their later part of their career, are going to have to get, you know, minor, you know, invites to spring training, you know, deals that require them to almost make the club. Don't be surprised. And that'll help the Mets as they try to evaluate guys in spring training who, you, know, you can't shove everybody on the 40-man roster. So, Yes, you got Robertson, you got Soria, maybe Familia, who I keep telling you guys, move on, move on, move on. A lot of miles there. He wasn't as great as he, his numbers in Oakland suggest. He had a good August. He, he fumbled down the stretch. Um, you know, he's had some, you know, the clotting issues, had some tendonitis, shoulder issues when he was the Mets this year. I'd be really, really careful there. And lefties are starting to hit him. He's not a necessarily a crossover guy anymore. You can't have someone late in ball games uh, closing out when lefties hit him so well. That's a bad situation, a bad scenario. Uh, Adam Ottavino, yes, you know, local guy, walks, strikes out a ton of guys, but walks so many guys. It's just such a, uh, I don't like guys. I don't like pitchers that walk hitters late in games. And I think Mickey Calloway's talked about that. So I'd zone in on Andrew Miller and Cody Allen. I think both could fall into that nine to a million dollar, you know, $11 million range. So between... Maldonado, Murphy, the two relievers, you've now, if you reinvest that insurance money, you've now reinvested and you haven't touched the current payroll and you've gotten a lot accomplished. You've gotten the bullpen cleaned up. You've got a a high-end gold glove defensive catcher. You've got somebody that can play multiple positions, provide you depth and hit a ton and provide hopefully some veteran leadership in Daniel Murphy. To me, that's a good use. You didn't win the offseason. None of those are going to get sexy headlines. You didn't win the offseason, but I think it really provided um, uh, some really good uh, uh, value to the Mets and rounds out this roster and makes this team that much more competitive. Uh, A team that I think is, again, built on starting pitching. With that, to round out this segment, here's the deal to starting pitching. I have no problem going in with the five guys that you have right now. I would like to hedge my bets on Jason Vargas as a swing guy. Steven Matz and his health concerns me, and obviously you've had issues where both DeGrom and Syndergaard have have missed some time. And Wheeler, look, you know, I've always been anti-Wheeler, and I've he was as good as DeGrom in the second half. But those mechanics, that injury history... That's still there, so you need to go out. You, where you're going to stretch the payroll? That's at 144 million and 154 million. And remember, with all that money I just added, that's going towards the luxury tax. So the Mets right now are about 20 million away from the luxury tax. If my math, if I'm doing the math correctly, because the insurance money's not taking it off the luxury tax. So right now you have to say the Mets are going to look at and say, who can I get? As a veteran starter, that can be a hedge for me with everything seems to be because of injuries. We've got to hedge our bets here. We've got to continue to get um, you know, other players here that 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 could um, you know that could be maybe a swing guy. Now, Vargas to me is a swing guy. Yes, Lugo could be a swing guy. So maybe you have that guy. You have some of the young guys like Justin Dunn who might be very might be ready. I don't know if Anthony Kay will be ready this year. I don't know if David Peterson will be, but maybe Justin Dunn will be ready. 
Um, you know, you still got Flexen on the roster, and you've got Oswalt. I don't really know if Oswalt is is a guy that's anything more than a spot starter. We can see. You got to see how they develop. But do the Mets go out, and can they play in? I don't think they would be able to get a Nathan Ivaldi or a Dallas Keuchel or a Patrick Corbin. That would be at the high end. Um, even Jay Happ is is rumor is predicted to get a three year deal in the forty eight million dollar range. Could you get someone on a one or two year deal? Can can they go and get a Charlie Morton who still would cost, geez, about sixteen million dollars? Uh, it seems like they predict him to get a two year thirty two million dollar contract. Um, you know, I'm trying to go up and down here to see who else. Uh, Gio Gonzalez. There's a guy, two years, $24 million, guy who likes City Field. Can you convince him to come here, um, you know, maybe on a one-year deal, try to see how you can negotiate that $12 million? And, and you know, look, maybe you try to move Vargas's $8 million to, you know, pay for some of this. I don't know how much more um, the Mets want to go if, if they spend at the level on some of the players that we just talked about. And, again, it may come down to do you – Go the direction I said with Murphy and that kind of offensive player, or do you take that and maybe go more towards pitching? I think pitching and defense is really the Mets' key here. I think you need to boost up the offense, but I really think the offense, which scored at a decent rate late in the year, um, if you have Conforto healthy, if Nimmo continues to perform, McNeil was a big difference maker. You know, Frazier, I think, when healthy, can be a decent offensive player. Uh, Rosario showed a lot of uh, uh, improvement. Alonzo, you got to think, is going to be able to give you, you know, what, 15 to 20 home runs, 270 batting average. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, he's not a bust. I mean, he's he's, he's hitting the tar out of the ball in the Arizona Fall League. So maybe you can focus more of your dollars on pitching and, and bullpen, which you have to. But I, I don't think it should be an either-or thing. I think at this point, you go out and maybe you get yourself a Gio Gonzalez, who's not a perfect pitcher. He's a guy that sometimes is gets you know really good or really bad, but he pitched well for Milwaukee down the stretch. Drives me crazy. He's a guy who walks a few too many guys. He's probably only a six inning pitcher, and he's probably only a league average guy. When it really, when you dissect all these things, which essentially Vargas is, I just think Gonzalez has the ability to pitch at a higher level and dominate. Whereas I know Vargas has some really good starts but I don't see Vargas dominating. So um, that's my off-season plan. I don't know if you guys like it. Obviously, none of those are going to get sexy headlines. There's so much more to it than just that. You know, it's just a, a little, uh, you know, wet your appetite way to kick off the off-season. And um, later this week, I'm hoping to get somebody, get some reaction from the GM meetings, start to get a feel of, you know, what the experts, what they're saying, what they feel, what direction the Mets would go. So there's a ton to do, and uh, there's a ton of ways that we can we can certainly take this. Hey, we're out of time, but I, I want to thank all of you for tuning in to this special edition of the Talking Mets podcast. Kind of a, a quick hit, so to speak. Uh, no guests today, but uh, had a lot of fun. I want to thank all the good folks over at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. We'll be back with more Talking Mets podcast next week. Take care.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.